Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from Seven Sisters Homeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here with Vicki and Kim. And we're all ready to talk about all things homeschool high school. Always. That's yeah. because we are all holding our coffee. Yes, we are. This is the episode in which Vicki, Kim, and Sabrina hold their coffee because it's cold outside. <laughs> uh, there's something so wonderful about holding a mug of something warm, isn't mm-hmm. there? Yep. It, it helps restore the fingers. It does. It does. It was a cold drive over yeah, here today. It was. But we are warm and toasty inside the house, and we are ever so grateful for things like propane and oh my, heaters indeed. and yeah, yes, yes. all that stuff. Because it's winter time where we are and when we are. <laughs> and we don't know when you're listening. But we assume that if you are listening, you are thinking something about high school and homeschool and perhaps grading papers. Because this is not only the episode in which we hold our mugs. <laughs> this is also the episode in which we talk about grading. Ooh. <laughs> it just seemed like it needed an ooh, ooh after that. It did. It did. Because these kids have to have a transcript. Oh, yes. And in order to have a transcript, you have to have grades. Grades. All right, so let's just start way back at the beginning with the um, slightly rebel counterculture homeschoolers of the 80s and such, some of whom said, I'm not grading my kids. There's no No. reason to grade. It's ridiculous. And all of life is learning, and we're going to experience and explore. And there's a whole lot of truth in that. Mm -hmm. Amen. So how do you balance that with I would also like my kid to go to college, or when my kid graduates, there needs to be a transcript on file. How, how do you bring the two? Because there's room for all kinds, because there's not one, one right, right way. way. Oh, we got Tell that in early. <laughs> we did. So, Vicki, start us off, because you were kind of a part of the uh, the little bit more rebel pioneer homeschoolers I know, on the tail like, end of that. Why, why do we want to put these artificial grades on our kids? You know, just to conform to societal pressures. Yeah. Yeah. And well, then and they have to go to college. Yeah. It's just say no to the man. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, and we all know there can be negative consequences just as well as there can be positive mm-hmm. consequences to both good grades and right. bad grades. It can make you overconfident. Or it can make you um, underconfident or can crush your little spirit sometimes know, for a little while. develop perfectionistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or make it really hard for you to believe that there's not one right way. I know. Oh, right? yes. Yeah. 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 So some of the answer to finding balance maybe is recognizing the different ages and stages of our kids. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of value in a lot of grading for a homeschooler who has a second grader. Right. I'm not sure how many number grades you really need on the books or letter grades. Yeah. Um, but a 10th grader is in a really different place developmentally. Right. Mm-hmm. So with my kids, they didn't get any letter grades except for on like a spelling test, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know things like that. Um, but really grades, we did not do that until they hit high school and we had to have the darn transcript. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because colleges really think transcripts are important, and my kids were college bound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So once you have to start doing something with grading, do you just go all in? Is it maybe wise to experiment with grading a little more stuff mm-hmm. in middle school to sort of get kids used to the idea of um, if you have a perfectionistic kid? Mm-hmm. 
And certain kids, as we know, are just wired to be overachievers, and they make up extra rules, and they think that they're never doing enough. And Have we met any like that? Have we given birth to any like that? <laughs> so um, for those kids... I think it's probably even more important to gently introduce the idea of grading because they're going to be quick to think, okay, this means I, I, I'm either perfect or a total failure. And there's no gray space for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe helping them understand that, no, when you get a grade, you're getting feedback that helps you recognize what are the spots of this that I've mastered and what are the spots that I'm still struggling with. Yeah, and those perfectionistic kids like that who there's never an off button, mm-hmm. and we have met a few of those. <laughs> um, if they have a letter grade, if they know what's expected and how to get that A, then they can train themselves when to stop. Mm. But if they don't have that stopping point, Ooh. there's just never any end to, well, I could do this and I could do this because they have right. that kind of a brain. And so they wear their little selves out mm. in uh, and cu- coming up with work that they don't need to be doing. Right. Mm. So then you have kids on the opposite end of the... Um, perfectionistic spectrum is there one of those it's like <laughs> there's a spectrum for everything there's a spectrum isn't there? for everything that's, yeah. a, that's a good description and um, the kids who want to do just enough the kids yeah. that we have from a very young age recognized this one's going to have to work really hard to learn about motivating himself or herself mm-hmm. and uh, about taking personal responsibility and ownership for more than just the bare minimum um, so how can grading be a good thing for those kids. Well, at least it gives them, and, and we have met some of those. Oh, like, yes. They know what the, the lowest C is and what they need to do that, and they're not going to do a thing more because they just don't give a flip. Mm-hmm. And because they have other giftings. Mm-hmm. So, so academics are not going to be their thing. And so this gives them a a target to shoot at. It's really hard on those of us who are moms that are... That are more academic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But there's kids like that have other callings, and they Mm -hmm. just don't care about Mm -hmm. academics. So they need a goal to aim for that's realistic for them. But then it's also good for mom if mom is tempted to be soft on things, to say, no, this is what it says. You do indeed have to do this much yeah. or you do not get the credit for this mm-hmm. on a transcript period yeah and um that also removes the the potential for making it too easy on someone who's Who really not care. pushing yeah. themselves mm-hmm. hard yeah. enough yeah because yeah. self-discipline whether you like something or not is an important skill oh, yeah absolutely lifelong skill yeah, and it's going to show up in college bound or not. It's going to show up in the workplace, in any mm-hmm. career path that you follow, in home life. Absolutely. There will be certain things that simply have to get done, and they have to be done on time and to completion, or there are serious consequences. So, yeah, letting taxpayers that anyone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until you said oh, by by a deadline. I was thinking cleaning my bathroom, but oh. you know. <laughs> There are those kinds of things that have to get done, too, that maybe don't have a deadline, but maybe definitely need to get done and aren't fun. Yeah. 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 All right. So how do we assign grades? I mean, things like a spelling test, that's pretty easy. If there Mm -hmm. were 20 words on the spelling test, the ones that are spelled correctly get points, and the ones that were spelled incorrectly don't. That Mm -hmm. kind of stuff is pretty Mm -hmm. easy. But 
grading writing assignments, grading history mm-hmm. projects, grading history tests, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. there's there's a whole lot of room for deciding whether something was right or not. Yeah. Yeah. How do we grade things in high school, ladies? Yeah. You ask the question, you start. Oh, my. <laughs> and Megan Sabrina answers okay. our own question. I'm going to use We're talk alliteration. About, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here's my alliteration. So, good grading comes from goals. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Good grading comes from goals. That, that's a t-shirt, uh, Kim. Yeah, another, another t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, we've got to make the t-shirt list. Uh, so, would someone like to ask what I mean by that? I was just about to ask, as a matter of fact. It really was. I'm glad you asked. I was going to say, would you please elaborate, Sabrina? <laughs> Sandra would really like to know. Yes. Our, our, our seventh sister, Sandra, who's out there somewhere listening, has asked what I mean by that. And I would like to answer you, Sandra. So, uh, goals. Why? Um, why are you teaching this class to your kid? Why is your kid trying to earn this credit? If, if this is a poetry writing class that is a part of the English language arts credit, then your goal primarily is to stir creative thinking, to stir a different use of vocabulary, to encourage them to get out of the comfortable spot that they've always been in with writing and and to to grow as a writer, which means that the A is for effort primarily. Mm -hmm. Your goal is to get them to try. Mm -hmm. And if you see them trying, they should be getting a good grade for that. That's earning Mm -hmm. the grade. If it is something where they have to master a certain amount of information that has to be memorized and spit back. And I'm sorry, but there's some things in life that you just have to memorize. Math and vocabulary and and driver's ed. There's stuff that you just have to memorize. And so in those cases, the goal is to demonstrate mastery of Mm -hmm. that material. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you earn the grade by getting the answers right. And, And for people like me that's very hard I don't (laughs) like taking points off for a kid that I can see what they were thinking Mm -hmm. but they didn't get it right could I give them partial credit because I want to you know but sometimes that's not the goal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in other venues co-op settings things like that sometimes the goal is the cooperation among the students Mm -hmm. and the working in a group and the um, wise planning and use of time on a project and maybe the project doesn't have a huge amount of information in it when they're done and that could have been improved mm-hmm. and you give that feedback but at the same time if your primary goal was for your very socially awkward anxious shy kid to work in a group and actually use his or her voice and gifts to then maybe the the grade comes from that mm-hmm. what's your goal yeah that is a really good way to explain that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And right along with that is explaining the, whether you're going to, and here's another vocabulary word for today, rubric. Um, if you have, you should have in mind before the students are actually doing the assignment, what is your expectation? If you share that goal or those goals with the students, so what am I expecting of you when this is all said and done? then they're in on the process, then they know what's expected of them. And it makes sense. So think about like when we have a supervisor or someone or just a person in our life who has expectations of us, but they don't tell us what they are mm-hmm. until you find out you, you didn't meet them. Right. Yeah. So if we can share what's expected of the students along the way, 
then they know, or at least they have an idea, what they need to do to accomplish that, too. Which is a nice thing about goals, Mm -hmm. is when you write them down, Mm -hmm. it's like Habakkuk 2-2, write the vision. So if you write the goal and make Make it clear, clear. then people can run with it. And so students have the written, this is the, the goal for the grades, what kind of growth do you want? Oh, <laughs> more alliteration. We, yeah, so we want to see, you know, personal like participation growth. Mm-hmm. Then it gets this percent of the grade, or you want this kind of mastery so that you can, you know, um, regurgitate information on a test. Mm-hmm. Which on some mastery things is that, you know. Yeah. So and it gets this percent of the grade so so you know high schoolers need to know what they're being graded on yep. and percentage wise how that shakes out yeah yeah it's interesting I think this is a change from a generation ago this idea of making the expectations very clear and offering a rubric because I don't remember any teacher in high school or college ever handing me a rubric ahead of time and saying this is how you will be graded in this class or on this project or on mm-hmm. this paper and um so a lot of what we did is we talked to people who had taken a class with this teacher oh, yeah. before yeah. <laughs> and said, what is this teacher looking for? Yeah. Because, right. you know, one history teacher versus the other might grade so differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> like, I, re- I can remember my senior year in high school in my European history class, everybody joking about this one teacher because he was flaky. People thought he was flaky. And then they got the first quarter grades, and a whole lot of people had really not gotten the grade that they thought they were going to get. And it turned out that this teacher was not so much flaky as he was an out-of-the-box thinker. Mm. And he was watching the whole first quarter to see what students were innovative enough to engage in Ah. the learning. He had this corkboard sign on his wall that was a giant, the word why, W-H-Y, you know. He wanted students who were asking why and who wanted to engage in the discussions and who wanted to um, uh, learn beyond regurgitating the facts. He you wasn't know? just looking for dates and wars. and Right, yeah. right. And so people thought he was a flake and assumed he was an easy grader. And then they got to the end of the first quarter and didn't have very good grades. And then he just sort of smiled at everyone and said, so from now on? How about you actually show some interest in the subject? And it was like, whoa, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know, that was that was a weird kind of getting blindsided thing. Fortunately, mm. I was a geek and I loved the class. And so I, I got a good grade anyway. But um, it, it, it was kind of getting blindsided a little bit. But it, it stuck with me all these mm. years that mm. I want my students to know what's expected of them so that they can engage in the process. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, make it plain. Mm-hmm. Make it plain. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you use a rubric if there's one in the curriculum that you purchased? Often in the back of the book, there's a grading rubric, like in our Seven Sisters essay writing guides. We offer a couple of different rubrics. Here are ways that you can assign points for this. Um, obviously, you can pull the rubric out and just do exactly what it says. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But are you allowed to adapt a rubric? You mean there's not one right way to do a rubric? <laughs> Are you the teacher? Mm. Yeah, you have the right to adapt a rubric. You should have a reason. Yeah, yeah. not if, just to, if your yeah. goal. Yeah. yeah, like if so. So let's say you have a teen that has struggled with essays, and just 
you know, has made it to ninth grade and just doesn't understand the concept. And so you're just starting over. You might use that rubric that's in the curriculum very generously and you might adjust Mm -hmm. points for, you know, attempting or, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, they really got this concept right. And so I'm going to give way more points and, you know, you know, go down some on the grammar or something like that. Um, so that those goals is what's important. Okay. So what if there is no rubric in the curriculum that you purchased, and yet your kid is in high school and you recognize this is a core academic class and you really need to give a grade, how are you going to assign it? Can you create a rubric? I will put in a plug for it is so much easier on you on the back end if you create a rubric on the front end. Oh, say that again. If you create a rubric on the front end, it will make your life so much easier on the back end. And why is that? Well, partly because of the things that we've already shared, that if you know what you're expecting, and if your student knows what you're expecting, then it increases their likelihood of being successful and actually getting where you want them to go. But also, it it keeps you from... Um, just being very subjective and and there there is certainly a place for subjectivity in a lot of grading but it gives you something to start with and if if nothing else a framework and you might use your framework and say yeah this is working perfectly or you might even need to adapt your own rubric you know if you make that up in the beginning of using that course and you get partway through the course and you're looking at what you've done and you're looking at your student and you're thinking, yeah, this really didn't make so much sense. Mm-hmm. I'm going to adapt this or adjust this to make more sense or make it more appropriate or make it more reflective of what the learning actually happened. Mm-hmm. You know? Very good. And if you give the rubric to the student, yep. then they know how to make sure that they are, are getting the target grade they are after. Mm-hmm. So at sevensistershomeschool.com, we have a couple of posts on what rubrics are and how to make them with mm. a sample so that, you know, it gives people something to run with if there's not a rubric for that. Now, you don't usually use rubrics for, like, math classes. No. Mm-hmm. You usually just use the answer key, and it's what percentage of the material did you spit back correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. or vocabulary tests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, those are very concrete. Mm-hmm. But things like writing or projects or public speaking, mm-hmm. rubrics are really, really helpful because it gives the kids and the, the teacher something concrete to work with. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. Um, Kim touched on something, and, and we probably just need to just say it out loud for somebody who maybe is not giving themselves permission to accept this. Mm-hmm. There is a subjective element to grading. There Amen. just is. Yeah. And that's okay. That's built into it. And part of what our teens learn when we do begin to assign grades and when some of them are just straight up percentage of information spit back correctly, and mm-hmm. some of them are very subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they're learning is that in different situations in life, you are going to be evaluated mm-hmm. in different ways by the people around you, whether it's your boss or your mm-hmm. coworkers or your spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that you have to stay flexible with it. And it's okay that sometimes you are going to be judged um, in a way that seems like, well, that's just their opinion. And mm-hmm. yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that counts for whatever it counts for. Yeah. 
Um, if you really want the grade in the class, then your teacher's opinion matters very much because you really want the grade in the class. Mm -hmm. And if you say, this class actually doesn't matter to me very much, and I think that the coursework was kind of stupid and it has nothing to do with where I'm going after high school, then maybe their opinion doesn't matter so much, even though they're the teacher assigning the grade. Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of filter that stuff the rest of your life, so you might as well practice Mm -hmm. with the subjective element of grading. Absolutely. It's a life lesson that's probably way more important than any piece of information they're going to learn mm -hmm. in any particular course. True. Unless it's their, you know, if it's their field of study or whatever, perhaps. It's also, I'd like to put in a little plug for, this is why it's so good in high school to um, incorporate grading from different people so that mom mm. is not um, Always. all the grading mm -hmm. all the time. Um, because it is valuable. Two people could read the same essay and for very valid reasons and, and very, uh, here we go, uh, validly, <laughs> um, come up with very different grades. You know, um, we've seen this when we've had our, our children have taken classes with each other, mm -hmm. um, with other of the seven sisters and other people in our local umbrella school. Our kids will write an essay and one of us would think, wow, that's awesome. And another one will go, well, that's okay, but you could do better. And it's not a level of expectation. It's what a certain person is looking for. One of us is maybe more looking for mechanics, whereas another one is looking more for ideas. Mm -hmm. So, again, all those things filter back to what's the goal. Um, but it's another way to, to expose your student and get a more broad perspective. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, my, my kids had a, a teacher in a co-op um, who graded very rigidly, in, in my opinion, on writing assignments. And they could have an absolutely brilliant idea that was beautifully supported. And if there were two sentence fragments and three misspellings, they got a B. Mm -hmm. And it irritated them no end. And quite honestly, it irritated me. Because it wasn't a writing class. You know, they were, mm. it was a class in which writing was being graded, but it wasn't a writing class. And um, I can remember having to have conversations and say, guess what? That's just how Mrs. So-and-so is going to grade, mm -hmm. period, always. So if getting an A is important to you, you will just have to proofread and proofread and proofread and proofread mm -hmm. before you turn stuff into her. Mm -hmm. And if not, and you can be okay with it and get a B, I, I'm okay with you getting a B as, as the mom. So you have permission to make that decision. But those kind of situations, they're, they're good. They're good yeah. life skill building situations. Absolutely. That also brings up, when talk about proofreading, that brings up, we talked a little bit as we were getting ready for this episode, we talked about um, peer review. Mm -hmm. And you do that in some of your classes, don't you? Do you a little kids? bit. Yeah. Um, with, yeah, with the, my more advanced writers, mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. <clears throat> Reluctant writers turn several shades of green and begin oh, yeah. to quake and shake if oh, they yeah. have to pass their paper to their neighbor. Yep. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So in, in the creative writing and the research paper classes that I have taught, mm -hmm. we did a peer review when the kids were doing their either their final rough draft or mm -hmm. their final draft, just according to what we were doing that time. And we would just attach a piece of paper to their product there. And the students were we pass them around, and the students would read each other's papers, and then do a a positive feedback thing because it just freaked them out to do 
constructive criticism, criticism. Oh, or yeah. some of the kids that might be more bent on constructive criticism. It was more on the criticism. So we learned just have them do, okay, I noticed that you really explain this concept well, or man, you caught a transition sentence or, mm-hmm. you know, so they, it showed that the, the peers understood what the assignment was. Mm-hmm. So it was good learning for them, but it also gave the writer who may be just really struggling, like, like creative writing. Some of the kids were having cows, you know, (laughs) and to to get some positive feedback from their peers was Mm -hmm. really good for their confidence. Mm -hmm. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly things like public speaking, um, Mm. so helpful to have evaluation sheets Mm -hmm. that you get back later that don't have anybody's name on them. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't know, you don't know who said what, Mm -hmm. um, but that opportunity to read both positive comments and constructive criticism, but then for for the other students to work on how to offer constructive yeah. criticism appropriately. Um, that's a tough thing. That's a, we found in drama all the time. There, there are always kids in any drama group who want to be the director. And so I would sit on that real quick. <laughs> directing is not a democracy. <laughs> it is most definitely not a democracy in my world. So I wouldn't let them direct each other. However, there were always spots at which we would stop and we would, as a group, evaluate how is such and such going. And everyone had to come up with something to -hmm. comment on. Mm -hmm. And for some of the kids, they were like, oh, thank goodness I've been waiting for this, you know, because I just want to tell you everything you're doing that should be different. And some of the kids were like, I don't know. It's all good. You know, it's like, no, come up with something specific that you've noticed. And it's so good for them to have to to be able to articulate those mm-hmm. things. So, yeah, there's a really good place for peer evaluation and review and editing. Yeah. And you, you can make that part of the grade if mm. you let the kids know. Or you can just say this is part of the class participation or not graded at all. But it is a valuable so when you're when you're assigning grades for the transcript, it's really it really really is wise to have a percentage, you know, system set up that you know and the student knows. So so what's kind of the standard? So in a in a core class, as far as the like the sciences and the maths or things that are very concrete, then a lot of the work is the tests that they do. And uh, you can decide how much that weighs. Some parents grade the daily assignments and make that part of the grade. So test is a certain percent and daily assignments is a certain percent. And you can make class participation, mm-hmm. even at home. Yeah. So for you know one of my kids who particularly didn't like math, um, there we gave class participation because if there was a bad attitude... Uh, that, that daily class participation was a C or uh, maybe not that less. good, you know. Uh-huh. And it, you know, there was it was figured into the grade, so they had a choice because you can't learn with a bad attitude. No. so they had a choice to do something about that. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, parents know their kids, and we have the right as homeschoolers to say what gets weighed what. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. So, and then in things like history or science, if you're doing projects in science or papers, Mm 
Um, then rubrics are very helpful if they're projects or papers or public speaking or other activities, labs and all, mm-hmm. that, that you are grading that aren't as like you got X number right or wrong, and you figure those things with the rubrics into the, the percentages of the grades. And then some classes don't need a grade. Mm. So what mm-hmm. are some examples of classes that don't need a grade in high school? Driver's ed. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. I mean, either you passed or you failed. <laughs> there you go. So, in you know, generally with GPAs, you're only figuring in the math, the majors, language arts, history, science, and foreign language. And so, you know, usually that's the GPA. So the other classes, it's up to you what grades or not that you do. So we generally gave our kids grades because we wanted them to have a clear standard they were working on. But there may be things you just want to do pass-fail if it's an elective course. Hmm. Very good. Yeah, very cool. All right, I think we've covered all of the major pieces of it. And really, at the heart of it, we're saying there's not one right way to grade. But it is mm-hmm. an important thing to incorporate in some fashion mm-hmm. yeah. in high school. And um, particularly regarding your core academic classes that are going to create the GPA and the transcript, you need to have a standard. And it needs to be something that you can put on paper, mm-hmm. not just something in your head. There's a subjective element, but it shouldn't all be subjective. And you want to include your kids in the process of understanding what they're working toward. Right? Yep. Indeed. Okay. So we hope that's been helpful. We're going to wrap up this episode and encourage you to check out curriculum that has rubric options and curriculum that doesn't have a rubric <laughs> option. And you can create your own and all those different adaptable kinds of things. And if you are looking for curriculum that was written with the intention of uh, making it easily adaptable for homeschool families uh, with different goals, then you might want to check out sevensistershomeschool.com ebookstore. Our titles are varied in terms of what they suggest for grading. And anything that is suggested is suggested. They suggest it. <laughs> it might not be the best fit for your homeschool family to do it that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, if you are not familiar with our curriculum, we encourage you to check it out. It's ebook and it is adaptable. And it's pretty fun. Mostly fun. Mostly fun. Mostly high school, mostly fun. There we go. You bet. All right. So until next time, thank you for joining us. This has been the Homeschool High School Podcast from 7SistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Mm-hmm.